This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, January 21st. Oh, yeah, 2023. Dornall, how was hey, your hey. week? Hey, man. My week's been good. I don't have anything to say except that I'm back to the winter grind post-holidays. Watched a couple of dumb things I'd love to talk about. Can't wait to talk about D&D. What's new there? That's going to be a party. Uh, Before I dive into all the good stuff I have on my plate, uh, I'm going to talk about the menu. And we're going to talk about the worst horror movie series I've ever heard of. How about you? How was your week? Well, my week was absolutely amazing. Uh, it started off so great that no week in my life to date can hope to compare. And it's possible, just barely possible, that some weeks coming up might be able to beat it. But right now, I there's only one thing I can think of to do it. So let me tell you about about my week just really quickly because we've got so much to talk about. I uh, we didn't do a show last week. Yeah, we were on vacation. People, and that's why my week was so good, is that that's the reason why we didn't do a show last week. People knew we were excited to be back from the break. We came on and they said, so you're going to be doing shows? And I'm like, yes, we're going to be doing shows and we're not going to miss it. <laughs> so the very second week back, we missed a show. But I will tell you why. Um Three days before the show is to go on, I got a text message from my co-host who said, hey, I'm going away for the weekend. And I thought, well, you know, the significant other probably has, you know, antiquing or wine tasting in Napa or, or, or something like significant others do. So I just assumed it was something like that and shrugged and said, hey, it happens. You just have to kind of roll with it. And uh, so we canceled the show. But that weekend, I had a birthday party for a, a nephew of mine, all scheduled. And of course, it was scheduled after the show. My family was going to come pick me up. So one o'clock came, and I absolutely assured them. Do or die, hell or high water, no, no take backsies that I would be ready to go. And one o'clock came and my mom called me and said, hi, we're here in the parking lot to pick you up. Can you come out to the van? And I had completely, 100%, absolutely and utterly forgotten about the party. I had not gotten ready 
the least little bit. I I hadn't even taken a shower that morning. Oh. I hadn't changed. I had done nothing. Nothing to get ready. So I had to hurry and get dressed and jump in the van. And it took me about 20 minutes. I take a shower first. So I absolutely was not going to go hang out with my entire family without taking a shower. Um, or go outside the house. So we get in the van and we're driving down to Salt Lake and we're getting phone calls. Like it started off every 20 minutes saying, cause, cause the nephew who had a party is great and I love him and he's really actually a sweetheart, but he also has, uh, he has oppositional defiance disorder. And so at certain times he will just get really angry about things and break down. And so we're showing up to his party late and we're delaying him and he's got all these presents to open and he's got a cake with candles on it that they can't light. And they're telling me about this, that they can't light. And my mom, when I get in the van, she asks me, hey, how was your show? Because that's why we're late, is because we're late to do the show. Only we hadn't done the show that day. And so I have to tell her, oh, we didn't do a show today. Because Dornall called in and texted me and canceled the show. And she says, oh, I wish I had known about that earlier. We've just been kind of driving around town waiting for you to get done. So my nephew, I'm imagining him having a breakdown. My mom is twisting in the guilt that not only were they waiting for me to get to the party, and my whole family's there, and they're already there. And my nephew is waiting. All his presents are there and the cake's there. And we're late and everybody is waiting on me. Worst uncle okay? ever. Worst uncle ever. And we're driving down uh, about a 45-minute drive to get to the party. So it's every 20 minutes they're calling. Then it's every 10 minutes they're calling. And then every five minutes they're calling and... My mom is talking to me like, we're almost there. We're getting off the freeway now, you know, keeping updates on where we are. And I'm just thinking, man, I'm just imagining him breaking down and crying. And it's all my fault. So we walk in the door of the house, finally. And I'm, I'm telling my mom so many times. I am so, so sorry I was late. I'm so, so sorry I forgot about it. And I am deeply and sincerely sorry. And I'm deeply and sincerely telling her this because I feel terrible. And we get to the house. And we walk inside the house. And everybody yells happy birthday. And they start singing the happy birthday song. And I'm like, wow. They must have really been waiting for my nephew to just start singing it right when we got in the door so they can light up the cake and finally get, you know, him to open his presents and stuff. And then I realize 
And it takes me a couple of seconds for this to click in for my brain to for my brain to catch up with events that everybody's looking at me. Uh, and they're, they're pulling the little champagne poppers that float out the paper and uh, they're throwing like tinsel or something. Everybody's looking at me. And then people start saying, Happy birthday to me, you know. And you made them wait for that. And so it turns I suppose out, I made them wait for that. It is a, oh, then the next thing I see is on the television, big screen television off to the left is my famous author friend, who lives in Virginia. And I still haven't caught up to this yet. And I'm like, what the heck is he doing on the television? Because I don't know. And it finally <laughs> catches up to me that this is a surprise birthday party for me. Now, I have to tell you something. January 14th, which is a week ago, isn't actually the day of my birthday. Which, for those of you planning surprise birthday parties, is a really good way of magnifying the surprise. <laughs> People will be more surprised if it's not on their birthday. I'll say. So I sit down on the couch and I'm talking to my famous author friend. Um, and I am shocked and surprised. And so I'm not tracking real well in the conversation. And uh, I, I can't see real well out of my glasses for some reason. My vision is blurry. I think I I uh, I had like sand in the corner of my eyes, or you know those little uh, thingies you get when you wake up. I don't think I had wiped out my eyes, and my my glasses were really unclean, so it was all blurry. I couldn't see anything. So you guys should know that one thing I've wanted my entire life is a surprise birthday party. And I've never, never had one, and I've always wanted one. So right off, a genuinely surprising surprise birthday party made it the best day ever. They got a friend of mine from Virginia to call in on a Zoom call so he could be there as part of the party so I've got my dirty glasses on and the sand in the corner of my eyes is making my vision blurry. And the next thing I see walking through the door is a really, really blurred um, silhouette. And I say to myself, that blurry silhouette looks like 
John, it looks like Doranol, my co-host. And sure enough, as my vision kind of clears up, as I wipe the sand out of my eyes, and I'm not making up, there really was a couple particles of, of sleep sand in my eyes. He totally um, wasn't crying, guys. I promise. He totally wasn't crying. <laughs> I look up, and it absolutely was my co-host who had texted me because he was flying down from Seattle to Utah to be there for my surprise birthday party. And we haven't seen each other in person for, for like nine years um, because of this and that and the other thing, which is way too long. But, you know, life is life. Sometimes it be like that. Um, so, you know, he comes on over and say hi, and we both sit there talking and, and talking to John. And then the following things also happen. Um, I had mentioned to my mom that when my birthday came around, what I wanted for my birthday cake was a lemon poppy seed bunk cake. And the reason why was because in Germany for Christmas, when I was living in Germany, 40 years ago, we had a lemon poppy seed bunk cake as part of the big Christmas dinner that the base always throws for uh, the officers club. And it was great. And I always wanted some more. And so... They made that for my birthday cake. My sister, whose house we were staying in for Christmas, bought um, Christmas cream donuts in the morning. And I never, ever got one, ever, because everybody always ate them. And so I'd mentioned that to my brother. I was like, man, I never get any uh, of the Krispy cream donuts. And he showed up. With a box of, he drove down from Boise to come to my surprise birthday party. And he showed up with a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. So I got to get a Krispy Kreme donut for my surprise birthday party. And uh, so, yeah, just like everything. I could possibly want to happen on my birthday all happened on the exact same day. I had my two best friends show up. I had a surprise birthday party. I had a lemon bunt cake that I got a piece of and I had a Krispy Kreme donut. So it was the best day I've had in a very long time, and it just edged out uh, Fanex getting to see, uh, getting to meet Kevin Smith and get my picture taken with him, and that was a phenomenal day. That was an amazing day, and this just just edged it out. Uh, my whole family was there except a couple people. One sister of mine had actually gone up to uh, Seattle on a tour of stuff. <laughs> So 
I suppose that's the karmic balance. To get my friend down from Seattle, I had to lose a sister to Seattle. I'm way cooler than her anyway. <laughs> uh, and Dornall got to meet my family for the very first time. It was a great day. You have a wonderful family. Uh, and I've told everybody about how cool my family was, and I, this should cement it. They, uh, you know, they set up an awesome, awesome day so I could have an awesome, awesome birthday. Um, and uh, that's why we didn't do a show last week. And for anybody who felt like we were breaking upon us or we're ignoring them, I'm just going to have to say... I I don't care. I was having an awesome, awesome birthday. <laughs> oh, and then that night, um, two more friends of mine who I hadn't seen in in five or six years uh, came out, and my brother and Dornall and these two friends, uh, we all went out and uh, we all went out and saw a movie together. Um. Which we're going to talk about, but yeah, best day, uh, maybe best day ever so far. Probably overshadowed your whole week, dude. That was great. It was a nice visit. It was great to meet your family, and it's good to see you, of course. I'm glad it was everything you had wished for. It really was everything I had wished for in a birthday. Um. So, do you want to talk about the movie? <laughs> yeah, we might as well talk about that movie starting out. Heck yeah! I mean, you you gave me a couple of choices. Like, all right, we're we're doing the because you you and your brothers have a tradition of going to see the movies together. So I I felt honored to be uh, asked along. And uh, what were the choices? It was it was between um, homicidal some... robot. Homicidal Robot and Gerard Butler. Yeah. I'm saying, man, that was not a hard choice once you showed me the movie posters. Uh, we went and saw the Plane, new movie with Gerard Butler in it. And uh, um, it, I had a great time. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny for a movie. Uh, when was it? Was it actually released in 23? Like, is it a January movie? Because this is the time when they dump off crap. And I'm not going to say it was good, but it wasn't crap. It was just a Gerard Butler vehicle. I think they released it in December. Brian, I think, almost spilled the beans during game night. I don't remember exactly what you said. But... uh... (laughs) No, no. Nobody caught on. I was the only one paying paying uh, attention. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So here, here's the funny thing about Gerard Butler. I think we talked about him on the show. Like you, you like Gerard Butler. I do. And 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 I don't get it. I think I think I'm <laughs> I'm closer to like your average moviegoer. He's he's done fine movies. He just he doesn't do anything for me. He, 
it doesn't he he's not a big box office draw he doesn't strike me as a big box office draw he's not the type of guy where you say oh man i can't wait to see the next gerard butler movie right um he's sort of like the next tier down from keanu reeves where nobody says man i can't wait for the next keanu reeves movie but when you think about it I like most of Keanu Reeves' movies. It's the, the same thing with Gerard Butler. I, I don't care, but he, he's just there. He's a block of wood. I mean, I'm, I'm always looking forward to a Keanu Reeves movie. Well, we've learned now, but but what's the deal with Gerard Butler? He's 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 a better actor than Keanu probably, but uh, like he's not one of these turbo charismatic guys like. Uh, Tom Cruise. So That's true. He doesn't have Tom Cruise's natural charisma. What's, I just what's, the, what's this appeal for you? He always picks entertaining movies to be in. He's got a really good nose for movies, and they're not all super great, but. Which I which um know. which president gets captured movie is the uh, one that he was in? Was it Olympus Has Fallen or the other one? It was Olympus Has Fallen, and then the two sequels. So he's been on this action movie shtick for a long time now. Yeah, he was also in Phantom of the Opera. Um. Yeah, even even when he's in movies that sound cheesy, he does a good job acting in them, and they turn out entertaining. He right. makes entertaining movies. He makes he makes entertaining movies. He's not your big superstar. He just you know what you're going to get. And and what did we get with Plane? I knew nothing about it. Supposedly, it, it, apparently, it's being billed as an action uh, movie. And guess what? It is. He's I, the setup is real simple. He's the he's the captain, former you know former military like most uh, airline captains, and uh, the plane goes the plane goes down and everything goes sideways and he has to turn to into action man to help rescue the rest of the passengers and the crew. But the important thing is he's not like a former SEAL or a former commando or a gorilla or something. He literally flew cargo planes in yeah. the military. Oh, uh, that's an important distinction, right? Because the, the, the pilots get go through basic training, but I mean, they're, they're pilots. They're not brutal, ruthless killing machines. Yeah. I mean, so they had, to, they had to add training, one of those to but... the, they, they had to add one of those brutal killing machines to the passenger list just so stuff gets done. Um, but yeah, you I mean, have bad, bad guys. You have a guy in way over his head trying to do the right thing. He, he, his movies tend to have a, a strong sense of morality. Even, uh, even when he's playing the bad guy, the people who are the good guys are good people. He doesn't do movies typically where there is a lot of postmodern, you know, 
nonsense. Um, and, and I'm not going to stake my claim on this, but I don't remember his movies being super woke either, or even woke. Nope. I, I just... He turns out entertaining movies that are just usually decent movies. I can just walk at them without waiting for a sucker punch usually. Well, and and this is the case here. If if you think you're in for some weird, you know, plain sort of tense thrill or anything like that, nope. Uh after after briefly introducing the characters, we get some action. We get some plane-based action. Real exciting stuff that leads to the plane going down. And when the plane goes down, uh, all the survivors have to deal with the locals on a, you know, Pacific Island. Uh, and they are not friendly locals. So uh, then it turns to good old-fashioned, you know, running around, uh, shooting bad guys, trying to save the good guys. Dude, it was fun. Turn the brain off and watch. Popcorn required. Yeah, it was it was literally just a good movie to watch. Plane um, is pitch black on a tropical island, says Luke West. Hey, you're not too far off. Not too far off at all. So if you've seen pitch black, you're you're gonna know some of the you're going to recognize a lot of the story beats. Yeah, but doesn't everybody die in Pitch Black? <laughs> everybody but Vin Diesel, I think. Yeah. This is this is a Gerard Butler movie, not a Vin Diesel movie. So so you can feel free to interpret that. It's it's not a horror movie. Pitch Black was a horror movie. Yeah. Pitch Black had a lot more aliens added to it than. Uh... Or a lot more alien added to it. Fish Black is a great movie, by the way, folks. Um, uh, plus, so as a bonus, as a bonus in Plane's favor, it has this really weird scene where the there's like this third-rate, dinky little airline that's doing all these terrible, oh, yeah. like so Southeast Pacific flights. This is the airline that he's flying for, like a like a little dinky, rinky-dink airline. Um, and and they're in like the they're in the boardroom or command room or something talking about oh man we're missing a plane we have to try and find it you know and one guy's like okay so we know they we know they've landed around here so I'm gonna call up some guys I know and hire a mercenary squad to help extract them <laughs> and, and nobody bats an eye it's just like yep I guess that's that's how this works this. This this rinky dink airline just has connections and can hire mercenaries on the other side of the planet. They they hire a um they hire an a it, I can't remember what they called him. It's like an emergency consultant. He's sort of a cross between PR and uh, a fixer. You know, someone who goes out and does rough stuff to get things fixed. The reason why they hire the mercenaries is because the plane is crashed on an island where uh, that's controlled by a slavery and drug cartel. Um, 
And so the only way to get the people off before it becomes a huge public relations disaster that'll bankrupt the company is to send in mercenaries who can grab them and get them off the island. Um, but the guy who plays this consultant, uh, you've seen him in a lot of things, but he is, he just does the best job. He is fun to watch. And, and all he does is talk to people in this command center. He talks to people on the screen. He makes phone calls. He talks to the uh, CEO of the, of the company. He talks to, uh, you know, people in the room, but he does it so well. He's entertaining to watch. Um, it is just uh, so great. So uh, great and, and this is one of the strengths of, of the movie because they're so focused on the it's well written it's so focused on the action and you know the drama of of watching and seeing whether these people can make it out of this very deadly situation like all the scenes in the command room have the thankless job of simply being exposition right we're just moving the story along from the last action scene to the next action scene and uh you know give uh, i'll also give that background of yeah we're sending in mercenaries so it's literally not just one guy against a whole island full of slavers uh you know it's it's workman it's workman like right you know you've you've got everybody in those scenes knows exactly what they're there for they just it's like they do their job go home let's get back to the action on the island Good stuff. It, it is actually a well-written movie. Uh, it, and I know that from watching a badly written movie so often. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, are you are you speaking of? Oh, let me think. I think I know the one. Let me guess. Is it ninety percent of all movies you've seen ever? Or at least in the past twenty years. Yeah, that there are many badly written movies out there, uh, or movies that just get the story get the story wrong. They misplace scenes, or they, you know, there's like something they need to do right now, and they don't do it, and so everything else gets the story just goes wonky. Uh, but yeah, this is a well-written movie, and uh, it's a good action movie. Uh, so uh, fun, fun movie. Great way to cap off uh, a great day, great weekend. Uh, highly recommend it if if you if you're the type of person like you're me, and and I miss going to the movies all the time, that sort of thing. Uh, if you're looking for, if and you've wondered why there haven't been any good movies to watch to get you out of your chair and go to the movie theater. I think this is one, you know, make it a date night or a night out with the guys. Totally worth it. Um, I wanted to mention, I wanted to go back, speaking of bad movies, I wanted to go back to something we talked about last year. Yes. You went over, okay. uh, we, we talked about uh, the witch and um, the Northmen and, and you went over a litany of, 
movies from this weird artsy art house studio a24 yes yes and i got the opportunity to view one of these like thinky horror movies um called x uh me and yeah yeah me and me and the girl sat down we're like yeah let's watch a horror movie this is new this is you know, this is this is popular on our streaming platforms. I heard it might be good. All right, I'll watch it. Uh, and this is going to be really brief because that that reputation that they have of being, you know, long and pointless and and drawn out with no real actual thrills or horror or anything like that, absolutely describes this movie to a T. The movie's called X, and uh, it's set up. It's actually filmed and shot just like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm pretty sure the filmmakers copied a bunch of scenes frame for frame. I'm talking a bunch of young people in oh. in rural Texas. They're, they go to a house that's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they're up to no good, and they get killed. Here's I'm, Here's the term. You asked me the term, what people are calling it. Yeah. They're calling it elevated horror. Oh, elevated horror. Because <laughs> it's not pretentious enough to call it art house horror. They, yeah, they had to are... invent it. A... a good point. Art house. That's the word for it. Uh, it's, it's, it's art house horror. And apparently that means not knowing how to film a horror movie. Um. It is. I watched it. It was. It is irredeemable trash. Uh, you know the setup. It's called X because the younger people in question are uh, using this cabin in the middle of the nowhere to film an X-rated film. And so that's the setup. That's why they're all up to hanky panky and no good. And that is why the the quote unquote monster of the movie wipes them all out um but they spend so much time on on the characters and and the and the movie setup and a little too long showing us the them showing uh showing them taping these x-rated film scenes um uh, that i that i can say with full confidence that for most of the movie nothing happens and the monster doesn't make any sense and is stupid uh the only the only uh if you are if you're into thirst traps i think the only redeeming quality is that if you wanted to see uh wednesday from the new uh adams family is hogwarts show uh, if you wanted to see her topless you can get your chance by watching x that's the only thing i could potentially recommend uh if any of our audience is you know under 20 and hasn't seen enough of that I I can't <laughs> I can't rag on it enough. Uh, it was actually fun. Uh, we were sitting there, and even even uh, even my girlfriend got into it. We were just laughing, and we were making fun of uh, you know all the, the stupid things the characters were doing and saying. Um, so actually, it was enjoyable in that sense. So you're saying uh, 
don't go see X, go see the 1974 Chainsaw Massacre instead. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. the Texas, yeah, just see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, <clears throat> similar basic setup, uh, similar um, look and feel to the cinematography, uh, but they don't waste your time. Um, okay, do you want to skip to the menu? Heck yeah, I'm hungry. Uh, <clears throat> to contrast that, more, uh, this is a, a thriller that's sort of advertised like an art house movie. It absolutely is not either of those things. So the menu you might have heard is this, you know, th tense thriller about, you know, some horrible thing happening at a fancy restaurant. I'll tell you what happens at the beginning of the movie. Like any other movie, it introduces all the characters and all of them, these sort of, uh, this, the type of high class person who would go to a fancy multiple Michelin star restaurant out on an island in the middle of nowhere to sample some famous chef's menu. They're all as ugly and unlikable as you can imagine. Even the, even the main, I want to say protagonist, but there isn't really a protagonist. Uh, just uh, the audience uh, insert character, surrogate, the audience surrogate uh, played by An uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Who's everywhere these days? Yeah, even she's, the she's not girl. She's the current girl. She's not particularly likable. Her character. So her character's the most likable uh, out of a whole cast of unlikable characters, and then these characters are introduced as they are making their way to an island where this, you know, Ralph finds chef runs the you know most exclusive restaurant ever, and you start meeting the the. Uh, the wait staff and the maitre d and the chefs and everything and everybody working at the restaurant is just as unlikable for different in different <laughs> ways <laughs> and so by the time the uh you're getting to the end of the first act and the and you start to realize just how screwed all these characters are you start thinking wait what kind of movie is this and i tell you what I'll finish the review real quick right now. The short version is if it's meant to be a thriller, it absolutely fails, but it succeeds as one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. And I don't think it was intentionally funny in a lot of ways, but hilarious, uh, dark, dark humor throughout the whole thing. It was it was very fun to watch, um, and Ralph Fiennes is a is a great actor who really pulls off that maniacal you know monomaniacal chef. He plays it to the hilt, and it's fun to watch. Uh, so okay. so worth so worth a go. You're just not going to get what the uh, marketers think you're going to get. <laughs> it's not scary. No, it's not scary. And and it's it's not tense. You're you're too busy laughing at how uh, ridiculous the whole situation is, how stupid all the characters are. It's 
it's hilarious. All right. Um, let's see. Let's keep up with the horror theme. Why don't we go with Wednesday? Uh, I watched Wednesday. Oh, I should say something about it. I'm just assuming everybody knows what Wednesday is. Wednesday is a Netflix series that is based on the character of Wednesday Adams from the Adams Family TV show, all grown up and going off to a boarding school because she's a teenager now. Um, Sounds riveting. It's... I may have been employing sarcasm there. I don't know if your sarcasm meter is working. Okay, I was going to say, I, I, I may have dreadfully oversold it then. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize to everyone who, who felt a flicker of interest in the show based on my description. I, I, I have woefully oversold the show, if that made you interested in it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not super absolutely terrible. It's, uh, it's actually got good stuff scattered through it. Um, that may sound crazy, but it's true. Um, it's not, it only goes woke for one episode and then it stops being woke. I, it really seems like the writers only did it cause they had to, which was kind of surprising. I mean, it does go stupidly woke for that one episode, but they kind of, then they run away from as fast as possible and pretty much everything else isn't. Um, I'm not saying that's an endorsement. Um, And uh, I was genuinely entertained in many parts. I have one question for you. Yeah. Uh, because I listened to a few episodes of the show. I wasn't really paying attention. And uh, and my personal reaction was uh, two things is that I could tell by some of the characters I, I saw and what I heard of the dialogue that this wasn't an Adams Family show. It was a Harry Potter show with Wednesday Adams as Harry Potter. Is that accurate? Yeah. That that's pretty accurate, because the other the, thing, the Adams family themselves isn't there. It's only Wednesday and thing. Uh, they they show up occasionally, but yeah, it's just Wednesday and thing for the vast majority of the show. And and the, here's here's a question: something I don't know, but I'm just representing stuff I've heard around the internet, uh, which is now I I didn't like Wednesday's dialogue, but it seemed like Wednesday Adams. And so what I gather is that her portrayal of Wednesday Adams is pretty faithful to the character, but the cameos uh, of the other Adams family characters didn't really feel like those characters. Um, they didn't look like the characters from the Adams family TV show. They made them more like the characters from the original comics. The Adams Family started off as a series of comic strips uh, in one of those national weekly magazines. I don't remember which one. 
uh, but they were from early, 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 like a hundred years ago, um, by an artist named Chaz Adams. And this was like supposedly his family. Um, it really wasn't, obviously, but um, I uh, got a hold of in the school library up at the uh, Utah State University. They had several of these books, and I read them all the way through, and they're brilliant little single panel strips. Um, and I wish uh, I wish I could get a hold of of more of them. Again, they'd be awesome books to have on your bookshelf. Um, I highly recommend them if you can get a hold of some of the reprintings of them. Um, but yeah, they. I don't know. Morticia and. Gomez are really passionate for each other, and that actually comes to play in the plot in a big way. Um, that's key to several things that happen in the show, is how much Gomez loves Morticia and how passionate he is for her and all of that. that it's not just something that happens on the screen. It's like a critical plot point that shapes a large part of the show. So. I mean, it really matters. So, I mean, they're not exactly like they were in the black and white TV show, but they're not alien to it either. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure there's, I mean, there's plot point, plot holes you can pick at. There's, you know, modern things you can say snuck in here and there uh, i'm not saying this is a this is something you would expect to have gotten in the 1980s or something i'm just saying it was entertaining they had interesting concepts um and despite its flaws I genuinely enjoyed a lot of it. Um, oh, and if we're judging on the, I wanted to I wanted to bring up Brian Reninger's comment: uh, the Adams don't grow. A real Wednesday would be oblivious as to why anyone would want to catch a murderer. I think, I think that's I think that's true. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say. If you wanted to take those characters and do something with them that wasn't an Adams family show, you would have to you would have to misrepresent the character in that way because that is that is a great one scene gag that would be well at home in the uh, old TV series, <laughs> right? That reminds me of a the uh, the Adams family uh, show. I I remember one episode where they Gomez Adams helped catch a criminal. He uh, uh, he robbed the house or something like that. And uh, and at the end of the episode, he's like, "Well, so uh, you know what happened to the you know what happened to the guy? What happened to the criminal?" And uh, Gomez says, "They were uh... well, I uh, funded his defense lawyer." And Morticia is like, "The defense lawyer? Why would you do that?" He said, "Well, you know, why would you help him?" You know, why'd you help him defend himself? He said, well, I didn't want the guy to get life. But um, right. 
So they took Wednesday Adams, this sort of one-note gag character, and tried to make her the protagonist of a show that wasn't about like single-panel, three-panel gags. Uh, yeah, you're going to warp the character, aren't you? Um, it kind of annoyed me that they felt like she had to change. It felt forced. Um, I can see Wednesday Adams in your mind I, right I, now. I, I don't think her personality traits, in order to make a character art through the show, they gave her personality traits at the beginning that I don't think necessarily, I mean, maybe Wednesday Adams would have grown into that, but I don't think that was necessarily the case. Um, I don't see, uh, I don't see, and I don't, so I don't see that that was a necessary part of the show. Um, I think the notion of a character arc uh, and that character arcs are mandatory or necessary is kind of the brain poison of a lot of modern writing advice. A lot of these people who are critic, critics have written a lot of crap and that's become kind of the received wisdom of uh, writing advice. And one of those pieces of crap that is critics telling writers what they should write and not writers understanding their craft is that every character has to have a character arc. Very few characters have to have a character arc. Very few characters should have a character arc. Character arcs uh, work best for dramas. Um, character arcs don't work for comedy. You don't need a character arc in a comedy. Um, and as, as proof, I proffer all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I proffer sitcoms. Um, I, characters at a sitcom, uh, the Simpsons during the good years, even they didn't have character arcs. I, yeah. But, as, I mean, the, the, the value of characters in a character based comedy, such as a sitcom, uh, is that, is the interesting or hit humorous interplay amongst all the characters, you know, two characters yeah, they, play off, play off each other in a certain way, you know, and in, and in certain situations, you know, you get a joke, you get a humorous situation. That's, that's the whole point. Uh, the point isn't to see how these characters grow and learn and whatever. No, that's got nothing to do with it. And that's why, that's why putting the Adams family in this sort of Harry Potter murder mystery, uh, show is strange because the, the character isn't suited for that. You you necessarily have to make a new character. Character arcs work best for a one and done situation, which you're never going to use those characters again. Um, and that's why I said dramas. I'm thinking of plays or movies where it's like beginning, middle, end, and that's it. The character has their journey. They're done. You're never going to see them again. Characters are not meant for people who are, are ever going to come back. Hercule Poirot 
doesn't have a character arc. Sherlock Holmes doesn't have a character arc. Um, characters who have repeated appearances don't have character arcs because they just come back as who they are. And people want them to come back as who they are. They don't want to come back, you know, as a changed person. Um, or if they are going to change, they change slowly off of, off of, you know, over the course of an entire TV series, you know, 10 seasons or seven seasons or whatever. So just as a, I'm just talking as a technical matter here for writers. Uh, if you have sequels where the same characters come back, um, you know, don't do character arcs. They they matter much less than people think. You shouldn't have them. And uh, if any of the readers are complaining about that in reviews or something, just consider those woefully maleducated people who have learned something wrong and it's not something coming from the heart. It's something coming from uh, the brain that tells them, oh, yes, kind of robotically, this must be there. It's like saying all sunsets must be uh, red and blue and purple. Oh, yes, he didn't have sunsets that were red and purple. He had sunsets that were clear and blue. That is not a proper sunset. I will mark this book down. Doesn't work like that. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> um, we're, so, we're, we're low on time. Do you want to do you want to skip the rest of the shows and talk about D and D? Uh, let me do something real quick. I watched the rest of The Walking Dead. They got rid of Rick sometime in the beginning of season nine. I think it might have been the beginning of season eight. And the show got really, really good from there. I don't know if it was they got new showrunners and they got new writers or what. But uh, eight, nine, ten, and eleven of The Walking Dead, basically everything after Rick left the show was really good. It's the best Walking Dead uh, ever. I'm not saying individual uh, episodes weren't bad because there were a few clunkers here and there and episodes, some were better than others. But basically, lead up to the Whisperers, the Whisperers and everything after that was really good. It was really enjoyable. Um, apparently, the secret... Uh, sauce to The Walking Dead was Rick ruins everything. Um, they had a time jump in there, a time skip, and uh, that allowed them to shake things up and set things up, and uh, things went okay. Uh, speaking against my earlier point of don't do character arcs, they just kind of skipped ahead, and so that let them change the characters and set them up kind of in new situations. But even then, some characters didn't really change all that much. And the few character arcs they had weren't the character changing. It was just them overcoming a difficulty they had picked up. So the last four seasons of The Walking Dead were really, really good. And uh, 
if you like zombie shows, uh, you should watch them. Uh, that's it. That's my review of the last four seasons of The Walking Dead. They got really good. It was surprising. So much better than the rest of the series. Um, speaking of which, I watched The Last of Us, the first uh, episode, which is actually two episodes stapled together. And, and you can tell they're completely different from each other. They're basically the first couple of hours of the video game. And everything good that's in it came from the video game. Everything bad that's in it came from the writers. <laughs> um, I'm serious. I mean, people keep saying, oh, yeah, man, it was good. Like, Considering yeah. how bad writing is for video games, that is absolute crushing, crushing indictment of the show. Um, it was actually good because the first opening scenes of the game are great if you're if you've ever played the last of us on the playstation the opening scenes of the game are great from the house to the roads to walking around and eventually what happens with uh joel and his daughter and then the opening scenes in uh boston <clears throat> all that's great a very emotional very you know it it, it it tugs on your heartstrings. So all of that is great. And they do that. They reproduce that uh, very closely in the TV show. But what they added and what they changed was pretty much crap. They changed the entire character of the daughter. And basically, she becomes a girl boss. Uh it was still good television, but it would have been better television if they hadn't changed the daughter's character. We don't need another hapless dad being ordered around by his daughter. That's a modern thing, and it sucks. Um, yeah, you need to stick to Gerard Butler movies if you want your uh, regular old competent man doing the competent man things. I told you we were going to be doing Avatar 2, but I think I already talked about that on another show. Good. Because um, nobody likes Avatar stupid blur, blue furries. Avatar 2 was entertaining. It was a good movie. It was better than the first movie. But if you go into this expecting it to be something other than Avatar, which is to say heavily environmentalist message in a science fictional setting... Uh, then you're going to be really bitterly disappointed. Um, it's heavily heavily environmentalist message in a science fictional setting. It just is. Sorry. Um, there's a lot about it that you can scorn, and I did in other places. Um, but it was actually an entertaining film. And it's a film all about a family, uh, a family man being a manly man, protecting his family and keeping them together in the face of people who want to hurt his family and destroy it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a traditionalist message in there. As other people have pointed out. But, yeah, Avatar 2. 
And uh, again, as it always is with James Cameron, it's really about Vietnam. Alien I swear Vietnam. we've done Avatar 2, but you promised it in the notes to the show. OGL. Yeah, you've been tweeting about this, and we talked about it last week. Uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, has has bounced back and forth with uh, with their messaging, trying to figure out how to... I don't know. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to save the the brand or customer loyalty or what first of all they said oh we we heard your response you know the greatly negative response to their canceling of the ogl one you know the 1.0 or the or whatever and uh and the leak of their horrible new gaming license but uh what have they said since then um they're still trying to do the exact same thing just trying to reword it again and again and again to make it seem like they're not doing the exact same thing. They are literally trying to make a contract that sounds like it's not doing exactly what they were doing in the first place, but they are doing exactly what they were doing in the first place. I mean, they say in the text of the contract, this is perpetual and irrevocable, and then include in the contract um, Woods of the Coast can cancel this with the 30 days notice. Woods of the Coast can cancel this in the case of a long list of your typical uh, hateful rhetoric, uh, misogynistic, homophobic, yada, 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 whatever. Oh, yeah. They, um, they went all in on cancel culture, didn't they? Yeah. Because the, you can't have any, any bad stuff, any wrong think is allowed to be associated with brand. And and if you somehow associate wrong think with the brand, we are going to cancel all your stuff. Yep, you will be your ability to use the SRD will be yanked. Your ability to sell products you're already selling will be yanked. And if you have a back stock of already paid for and published books, you can't sell them. You have to destroy them. <laughs> So Wizards of the Coast can destroy your business in a trice. Um, this is a cancel culture contract. People keep referring to it as a morality clause. It is not a morality clause. It is a mob clause. If anybody gets offended and complains, then Wizards of the Coast can cancel your entire business in a moment's notice, I mean, one of the earlier contracts had a 30-day notice. I don't know if 1.2, which is the latest version, does. Um, they can just join in with the mob and cancel culture you. So if you use pronouns wrong, that's hateful, and they can cancel you. If you <laughs> dead name someone, which is a trans thing, they can cancel you. If you, you know, have villains that enslave people, that is offensive. That is racist against black people. They can cancel you. Uh, Stanford and another university recently 
forbade people to use the word field because it is offensive to black Americans. Um, because their ancestors were enslaved and they used to work in fields. So using the word field is racially insensitive. So if you use the word field, they can claim that is hateful and racist and destroy your business. Okay. What a brave new world we live in. This is a contract cancel culture contract and it is people who sign it are agreeing to it legally and if you decide to sue because they canceled you you cancel the contract you cede rights under the contract forever you cannot bring a lawsuit to contest your rights because that cancels the contract you are agreeing to forever and ever and ever give up all rights you have to all your material. They keep on repeating this line. You have all rights. You own your property. What they don't say. What they persist in not saying, what they keep trying to cover up and lie about is so does Wizards of the Coast. Under all versions of this contract, they also own your property. Yep. They call it a license. They have a worldwide, unrestricted, perpetual, irrevocable, without qualifications. You can't cancel them. They can cancel you. Right to use your property anything you release under this license for any purpose they see fit and your purposes are limited to publications only if you want to do a let's play video of dnd you have to do it either have to do it as completely commercial free you can't make any money off of it or you have to sign a separate contract to it with who knows what secret um, what secret allowances or, or clauses or whatever? What secret kind of <laughs> revenue sharing? If uh, and that's, that's totally absurd. Uh, not, not only, I mean, besides the obvious, it's totally absurd. Consider other games. If you, if you look at, at Dungeons and Dragons as simply a game, you don't need to license anything to start a YouTube channel or a Twitch TV channel and play your favorite board game or play your favorite video game for hours and monetize it. There, there's the, the creators of that game don't have any right to step in and ask for a cut or demand a cut. You don't need a license to play StarCraft online and show it off to people. You don't need a license to, you know, set up a virtual tabletop or put a camera over your table and, you know, play war game miniatures or a game of Risk or Monopoly or whatever online. Uh, so, yet yeah, Watsy thinks that their license 
is meant to is necessary for you to do those things. It's absolutely absurd. So that's what the new OGL is. It's just like the old OGL, except it's got language in it that is intended to make you think it's something other than what it is. And if you take them to court over it, you're going to find out pretty quick that the language means something other than what they intend it to mean. <laughs> um, the orc thing is going pretty weird. Orc? Orc. It's a, a cabal of, of uh, independent publishers who are not going to be using OGL 1.0A got together to create the... Uh, It, it's a creative open license that any company can use to um, publish under instead of using Wizards of the Coast's license. Um, and it's it's being led by Paizo, but it has like Cobalt Press and um, other companies, including uh, Axe. Uh, Alexander McChris uh, from Axe is involved in the in the committee. Uh, there was a large faction pushing for their own woke morality clause, which you know would have made it completely useless. Would have just been Wizards of the Coast all over again. So, you know, one woke censor team is just as good as another woke censor team. So you might as well. You know, if you're going to cut your throat, you might as well cut your throat with a butcher knife as you cut your throat with a pen knife. I mean, you're bleeding to death either way. Uh, and uh, so I, I just looked a little bit into Orc. Uh, one of the big indie publishers, Alexander McCreese, we talked to him a couple months ago. Yeah. He's the guy He's the guy in uh, responsible for Adventure Conquer King System acts, and uh, he's one of the publishers who, as soon as the OGL, you know, was first leaked, the new, the new license was first leaked, he immediately went over and, I think within just what a week or two, rewrote all of his stuff to clean out the OGL, and he's he's part of the Orc effort, and the thing that's notable is that he's uh, also a lawyer, so he's if uh, if you remember the show we talked to him, he's a pretty meticulous guy. He loves his spreadsheets in gaming, uh, so he's he's a guy I would trust to work out the details of a license for sure. Um, but anyway, it's that woke faction who was pushing for them to add it. Eric Mona, who's one of the leads on this, who also helped draft. Uh, He's part of the design team for 3.0, D&D 3.0. He also helped draft the uh, OG, original OGL. Uh, is helping draft this. Uh, he said that uh, there wouldn't be any morality clause because if there were, uh, the orc would be dead on. ORC is an acronym. And uh, maybe John can tell me what it is because he's looking at it. I can't remember what the actual words are. Um 
But he said uh, it stands for open something creativity um, or creation or creators or something. Um, but he said any morality clause would mean that the ORC was dead on arrival. And uh, so there wouldn't be any. People are still kind of wary for good reason. It's Paizuo. Um <laughs> It's uh, open no, no, RPG a, creative license, by the way. There we go. Wow, I couldn't remember RPG. Anyways, <laughs> um, so that's the news. Widget of the Coast is not changing a bit. I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, they 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 made a an apology and they changed the terms of it." Look how they're saying now they won't. Uh, that, that you still own your stuff. They've said that for every version they released, the 1.1, the 2.0, and now the 1.2. They keep on saying that. It's just a, a, a shadow. It's, it's language intended to buffalo you, okay? That's not what they mean. That's not what they're really doing, okay? They're bamboozling you. They're suckering you. This is a cancel culture contract, and you volunteer for it if you agree to it. Not good. Uh, and, Not and, and the damage is done anyway. It, when it, I mean, Wizards of the Coast has never had a great reputation, but... Uh, with that sort of naked hostility uh, towards and, and you know any of its fans or customers or users or anything like that, I mean, there's no reason to put up with the company at all. There's there's no reason to support. It's it's not even it's not even a boycott. Boycott. Like I can't even be mad. It just it's so absurdly mustache twistingly villainous uh, that. Uh, you just sort of, I just sort of shrug my shoulders and say, well, uh, there's no reason to deal with that crap anymore. Yeah. Uh, besides, the best news is, is that the, if you like Dungeons and Dragons, the best version of Dungeons and Dragons was uh, published in what? What was it? 81? 78. 78 is older than I am. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition. Still there. Still the best uh, version of the game. So, yeah. Don't give money to Wizards of the Coast. They, they are doing some shenanigans. They're doing a lot of shenanigans. They're trying to destroy every company who won't agree to the cancel culture license. That's it. That's the update. They haven't changed a thing, except they're trying to buffalo you. They're trying to bamboozle you. They're trying to sucker you. They are, in short, doing that public relations thing of saying stuff that all leads you to assume something 
that is not the actual truth. They are using language to try and influence you to make it seem like something's happening when it's not. Language that is not technically a lie, but it which is deceptive and depends on you assuming something that is not actually happening. Well, we'll we'll keep we'll keep our eyes on everything that's going on because it is interesting, even though uh, it's really strange. Uh, Bradford Walker's got a theory that uh, because Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro in particular are so focused on the digital brands, the virtual tabletops, the Let's Plays and stuff like that, uh, which was sort of the main thrust of that leaked 1.1 OGL, uh, that they they don't mind getting out of the tabletop business entirely, that Dungeons & Dragons will purely be an online uh, virtual game brand. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's what I said on, on Twitter, is that uh, Wizards of the Coast sees themselves as an electronic entertainment company with a legacy tabletop, you know, with a legacy publishing arm. Um, uh, they would have stopped well, Magic a long time ago if it didn't make so much money. Yeah, they they yeah, magic, they magic want digital. to they want to charge people thirty dollars a month. That's their premium tier, their top tier. But like, uh, and that's there's going to be a bunch of microtransactions in there too for all kinds of things. Uh, they want a three D immersive environment like a role playing game, like computer role playing games. Uh, or World of Warcraft, I don't know how pretty their engine is going to be, um, for you to play Dungeons and Dragons in. And then uh, they want they want to charge, you have to be, there's a free tier, but you have to be at a paid tier in order for you to introduce homebrew anything. And you're only limited to three characters uh, <laughs> at the free tier. Um, um, and these came from leaked details last week. Um, so, and anything you put in there as custom content, anything you put in there as homebrew, they own forever for any reasons they want to do it. If you create your own class and put it in there for your players to use heaven forbid you put in a campaign setting for your players to use that campaign setting becomes theirs hey do you remember third edition and they held like a big huge competition and mm -hmm. paid people a buttload of money to come up with some great campaign settings and what came out of it was eberron and he got like a hundred thousand dollars in a job Woods of the Coast ain't giving you shit. In fact, you're paying them. Pardon me for swearing. You're paying them to give them your new original campaign setting. How's that feel? How's that feel, buddy? <laughs> How's that feel? 
Sorry for swearing there. You are forgiven. That's uh, that's the new Wizards of the Coast, folks. It's it's so, absurd. I don't have anything else to say on that subject. I really don't. Yeah, it's it's. We we've beaten it enough for one week. Uh, maybe I'm, something will happen in the next even, couple weeks. I'm not even exaggerating. I in fact, I am if anything underplaying it because I'm not even saying all stuff that's going on i've just given you the barest of details i've skipped over a ton of stuff so i'm making wizard of the coast look better <laughs> than they actually are so uh, it's it's despicable but uh anyway oh i i i, I we are way over time um i want to add one little thing on a more positive note uh, we, uh, in our AD&D Dungeons & Dragons first edition game, uh, we discovered, thanks to uh, thanks to Brian Renninger, discovered an implication of the rules on hiring mercenaries uh, and discovered when three of us sat down for a little dungeon delve with level one characters, Brian's fighter showed up with 10 spearmen in tow and we were like wait a minute how does that work totally by the rules uh, in fact to command a unit of 10 soldiers you're required to have a first level fighter as a sergeant so uh anybody who's out there playing DD, you start a new character level one try a fighter and ask your dm okay I'd like uh, I'd like to find out are there any soldiers in town uh, or in the city anybody I can who want to be hired on as a spearman for standard wages all you got to do is buy their spears and their armor I I wish we had a graphic you know the the more you know graphic because uh, in a in a mega dungeon setting they weren't uh, they weren't critical to the success of our mission, but they were very helpful and perfectly affordable by first level character. So just put that out there. Think about it. Next time you're playing, talk to your dungeon master. Hey, I'd like to hire some soldiers. Doesn't cost much to outfit them and, and pay them for a month. And this is only an AD&D. Only in AD&D, which is the version of D&D you should be playing. Um, so before we sign out, uh, next week we have a guest coming on. Uh, Blaine Pardo, or Pardo, um, who used to be a Battletech writer before he got canceled and now is writing for Wargate. Um and he's going to come on and talk about his cancellation. He was one of the more popular Battletech writers. Um, mm. He's going to come on and talk about his cancellation, talk about his new book, which just came out. And that gives me a week to read it. Um, if the gentleman who has been uh, urging me, I won't say harassing, I will say urging me to read Malazan Book of the Fallen is listening, I'll let him know that I have started the first book in the series. Um, and it's been really good so far. So, you know, I'm enjoying it. 
And then uh, the week after that right now is, is just us again. But the week after that, uh, Christopher Ruocchio uh, just signed a contract with Bayon Books to have the last two books in his uh, series published with them instead of DAW because of some ongoing editorial changes at the company. Um, and he should be on, and that would be February 4th. Um, or February 11th, I believe. So, yeah. Um, got a couple guests coming up. Tentatively scheduled. Things always change on us. Uh, but right now, that's a schedule. So, um, there was a time last year when we did five guests in a row. And uh, we both talked about that when uh, he came out for the for my birthday and uh, decided we didn't want to ever do that again because <laughs> we couldn't review stuff and couldn't do a, a show and, and talk. So we like, uh, we like doing our, uh, we like doing guests on, but just not all the time for a month and a bit. We like to break so, it up. We like to break it up. So we're going to be trying to break that up. If even if we do have guests, we're going to be trying not to do it uh, always in a row. But that's our tentative schedule. Do you want to take us out? Absolutely. Uh, I am thrilled that we got to chat today. It was great, especially after the break, even though I just saw you last week. Uh, <laughs> love doing the show. Love talking about uh, stupid crap that we see in the occasional gem. Uh, so uh, I do appreciate the time and everybody who hung out and listened live. Um, want to give a shout out to, I'm not going to give everybody a shout out, but I see Brian Renninger, Bradford Walker, Luke West, and others. Thanks guys for making it fun and interesting. And I hope everybody who listens later uh, rushes right out and goes and sees, sees a stupid action movie with Gerard Butler. Uh, but that's it for this week, Daddy Warpig. Thanks as always. All right. Thanks, folks, for turning in live. And uh, for all of you listening later, we appreciate you as well. You can get our show on Apple iTunes Store, on the Google Play Store, oh, or on SoundCloud.com. We are available to listen on the device of your choice uh, or listen to it on the web or just download it to your computer. Um, and I think that's it. We're signing out for today. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.